Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you are with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And we have three good martinis for you today. Sometimes finding one is quite the challenge. Today we have three, and I think they're three bona fide good martinis. It's not just all horrible things happening to Democrats, although bad news for Democrats is our first uh, good martini today. So we're certainly grateful for those as well. Uh, Thanks to um, uh, Ed Morrissey over at Hot Air for flagging this, but uh, Jake Sherman uh, over at Punchbowl also uh, breaking the news. Uh, Looks like the Senate parliamentarian has once again made life more difficult for Chuck Schumer. Ed says the Senate's uh, reconciliation process now can only be invoked once per fiscal session. The Senate's parliamentarian ruled last Friday in a decision only revealed this morning. In extraordinary circumstances, the Senate could use it twice, but at a heavy cost. He then goes to Jake Sherman's tweets that says, uh, News on a new Senate parliamentarian ruling. When the Senate left town Friday, the parliamentarian quietly issued a new ruling that said majority can use reconciliation twice. Remember, they already did it for the so-called COVID relief. Uh, But they can't do it just to avoid the filibuster. To use reconciliation twice, there would have to be reasons beyond political expediency, like an economic downturn. The ruling also, according to Sherman, said Congress would have to start over, repass the budget in committees, and bring them to the floor. In the Senate, that would trigger another votorama, which is where there's an open amendment process. And this would be exceedingly time-consuming and potentially politically risky. And so, uh, Jim, I remember the Democrats grousing about the parliamentarian ruling on adding a $15 minimum wage to the COVID relief bill. And now they're uh, making Democrats work a lot harder and possibly waiting until the new fiscal year uh, to get going on infrastructure and a lot of other things they'd love to pass with a simple majority. So uh, amazing how this works. Yeah, and I'm always struck by the option that the response is, you know, this is an unelected official telling the Senate what they can do. Yeah, that's what the parliamentarian does and what the parliamentarian has always done. You need to have one separate figure who looks at the rules and says, this is what the rules say. This is how they can be uh, interpreted. This is what is permitted under the rules. This is what is not. And it's, you know, when she said no $15 an hour minimum wage, you can't fit that into a budget bill that's not considered part of federal spending. Uh, yeah, oh, there's the few with a cry. Oh my goodness, it's time for Democrats to replace the parliamentarian. And then she ruled in favor of Democrats, and all of a sudden those cries went away. All of a sudden she was fine. All of a sudden, you know, oh, she, she rules our way. She's perfectly fine with that. I'm a little bit surprised by this, and I'm pleasantly surprised by this. Um, reconciliation is not easy, but the thinking of Democrats was that they could do it for a couple of times. They wanted to, and both the that's going to be complicated. The American Jobs Plan, which is $2.3 trillion, and the American Families Plan, which is $1.8 trillion. So they may have to combine it into the American Noun Plan that would spend <laughs> $4.1 billion, um, or the American Mad Libs Plan, if you prefer. You know, uh, you know I, I think this is a play. This, this eliminates one more, uh, you know, tight closely contested fight that Senate Republicans are going to have later this year. I always kind of figure the parliamentarian would be okay with the infrastructure bill because it's mostly federal spending. And it's very easy to say, okay, federal spending, that's definitely a budget issue. That's not even something where you need to stretch it or twist it or squint to interpret a certain way. Um, You're already hearing Ilhan Omar saying, oh, it's time to get rid of the parliamentarian. Yeah, you stay over there in the House. You worry on your side. We'll let the senators decide on this one. 
Um, you know, not, this doesn't completely change the entire crux of the legislative agenda for Biden, agenda for the Biden administration, but it does complicate the matter. It means they only have one more bite at the apple this year. Um, I mean, theoretically, they could go at it in 2022, but the closer you get to election day, the more nervous uh, particular Senate Democrats will get, particularly the Mark Kellys of the world. And, and, you know, Raphael Warnock is up for re-election 2022, and he's voting like he represents Vermont. So I don't know if he's going to be as uh, confident about these taking these votes as he was uh, earlier in the year. We'll see how it goes, but uh, it's one headache that Chuck Schumer was not expecting to deal with uh, this early. Exactly. And it'll probably renew calls for killing the filibuster. But they don't have the votes to do it. They don't even have 50 votes, obviously. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema uh, saying that they really have no intention at this point of ever uh, voting to scrap or even uh, significantly reform the filibuster. And so Joe Biden decided to go after them. I believe this was just yesterday with the quote, I hear all the folks on TV saying, why doesn't Biden get this done? Uh, this was in Tulsa yesterday. Well, because Biden only has a majority of effectively four votes in the House and a tie in the Senate with two members of the Senate who vote more more with my Republican friends. Well, Ed decided, Ed Morrissey over at Hot Air decided to actually look at the voting records. Jim, do you have any idea what percentage of the time so far in the Biden administration, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin have voted with the Biden administration? 100% of the time. I guess like... (laughs) Okay, okay, good. I was going to guess 75%. That's that's even higher than I expected. It's always been the case that certain iconoclast or maverick or whatever label you want to use uh, members, like it's the high profile votes that everybody remembers. And there's all kinds of other votes that are much less controversial and much more procedural where you're going to vote with your party and that's going to drive up your score a bit. But I had not seen 100 percent. Now, I suppose you could point out that when Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin say, yeah, we're not going to vote for this, it doesn't come to the floor. Right. And thus, they don't end up actually physically voting against it. But it kind of is an indicator that, you know, yeah, Biden really is complaining about something. And yeah, also, Ed made that point. Like, you realize Joe, Joe Biden had campaigned. I'm going to heal the partisan divide. I'm going to get everyone to work together. And then there's a bipartisan opposition to him. And he's complaining that there's not enough people voting in lockstep loyalty to party. <laughs> That's right. Now, Biden is a guy, and you saw this on the campaign trail, you've pretty much seen it his whole career. Whenever Biden gets the least bit of pushback, doesn't matter who it's from, could be the media that's normally uh, very much uh, in agreement with him, uh, could be a Republican, could be another Democrat who, who disagrees. Um, I mean, the defenses fly up immediately and the come on mans and the, uh, everything else. Uh, he's very quick, very defensive, very very impatient whenever he's challenged on much of anything. Uh, that's not the persona he likes to put out there, but it is his track record of 50 years. And uh, but you're Are right. you a junkie? <laughs> Are you a junkie? Exactly. Uh, or the Ed O'Keefe. Why, 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 why? Settle Come down, on, man. man. <laughs> exactly. You ain't black. Yes. Greg Columbus. Ex- well, that's true, actually. But uh, yes, that's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly right. He got you on that one. I gave him that one. <laughs> No, that's exactly right. But you do make a good point about how Manchin and Cinema managed to kill stuff without actually voting against it. Manchin, and of course, announced he was voting against Neera Tandon at uh, OMB, for example. And so the Biden administration pulled it. So there are things that didn't happen uh, in part because of that. But uh, overall, the idea that they vote with Republicans the majority of the time is insane. And uh, Biden, of course, will not get called out for that. That would have gotten four Pinocchios in a previous administration. 
<laughs> but uh, anyway, the news is good. The news is good uh, about what the parliamentarian uh, has ruled here and what the Democrats will have to do if they want to move some of these uh, big ticket items with a simple majority. But we have even more good news even before we get to our next good martini. And that's a brand new sponsor here with us today. Omaha Steaks. Look, uh, grilling season is upon us. It's the summertime now. Father's Day is uh, later this month. And I'll tell you, the first time I ever had Omaha Steaks uh, is uh, closely intertwined with fatherhood. When we were expecting our first daughter, which is more years ago than I can even believe now, we thought uh, she was going to be born a certain day. We went into the hospital. Turned out she wasn't ready to come. Uh, and we got back to the house that same afternoon. There's a big box from a friend of Omaha Steaks on the porch, So, which was good news in a number of ways. First of all, uh, we got a couple extra days of sleep. And secondly, uh, we had Omaha Steaks that probably would have sat on the porch for quite a while uh, if we had uh, stayed at the hospital for the next two or three days. But I should point out that things are well refrigerated and frozen inside the box, so it might not have even been a problem. But uh, right now, Omaha Steaks is, has got you ready for summer. It's got you ready for Father's Day with a fantastic assortment of products. You know, I've loved Omaha Steaks even since that weekend that Peyton Manning called them 289 times. <laughs> Omaha! Omaha! You go to omahasteaks.com, type martini in the search bar, and order your dad or any steak lover in your life the Get Out and Grill assortment. It includes 20 entrees that he is guaranteed to love, like ultra-juicy burgers, plump chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and four 10-ounce Butcher's Cut New York strips. Now, these strips are aged 30 days. And why is that important? Because age equals tenderness, as any older man will tell you. <laughs> Plus, get four free New York strip burgers with your order. They are ultra lean and pack a bold, intense flavor. They're fantastic. We just grilled them out uh, this past weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we absolutely love them. My mother-in-law and father-in-law were over, and my mother-in-law literally said, I enjoyed every single bit of that, and uh, we all agreed. It's a fantastic uh, bit of meat. We had the, uh, the the New York strips, and I can't wait to get to the rest of it. Fantastic stuff. And look, Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It's the best steak of your life, guaranteed. Visit omahasteaks.com, keyword martini, and order the Get Out and Grill assortment today. Send Dad more than just a gift. Send him an experience he'll love and can share with you. And don't forget, for a limited time, get four free New York Strip Burgers with your order. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, Jim. We love to point out things that are difficult for Democrats. We love to point out things that go wrong for Iran, especially when they involve kaboom. Uh, we talked about their uh, nuclear facility at Natanz having all these mysterious explosions and major setbacks. And we kind of said, we're not saying it's Israel. Eh, it's probably Israel. Uh, now we have their largest naval ship, or at least one of them, catching fire and sinking in the Gulf of Oman. This is from the New York Post. One of Iran's largest warships caught fire and sank Wednesday in the Gulf of Oman during a training mission as a series of mysterious explosions that always raises the antenna have targeted commercial vessels in the sensitive region since 2019. The British-built Karg, I think is how you say that, uh, which measured more than 650 feet long, erupted into flames Tuesday off the strategic port of Jask, according to Reuters. The ship was in domestic waters during a training mission, according to the Navy's head of public relations. No further details were given. 
the cause of the blaze was still not clear, although I've seen some reports uh, just in the last several minutes, Jim, that uh, Iran might even be publicly now accusing the Israelis of doing this. Uh, don't know that that's true. There are some uh, things pointed out in this New York Post story also that uh, Iran has uh, – perhaps been linked to some mysterious sinkings uh, in the region. So who knows what they might be trying to incite with this potentially. But uh, um, either way, uh, another setback for Iran, it looks like. What do you make of it? You know, Greg, there's a Twitter account entitled The Mossad, the social media account. It's not verified. <laughs> I'm not really sure how you'd go about verifying the uh, the Mossad Twitter account. But seven hours ago, there was a, you know, after the news had broken, CBS News tweeted, Biggest ship in Iran's navy catches fire and sinks un- under unclear circumstances, semi-official Iranian news agencies say. The Mossad social media account said, quote, congratulations, Iran, on having a new biggest ship. <laughs> now, the subtext of that isn't quite, we did this, but it certainly seems like they're sending a signal. And a couple hours later, they tweeted another a, uh, a gif of someone saying, why? Why is this happening to me? Why? And labeled it Iran every day. Now, again, we don't know that this was the Israelis, but um, come on, it's the Israelis. <laughs> They're really good at this. Whoever's doing this, of course, we have to couch that since we don't have official clarification. But uh, the, the the win streak here against major Iranian you know, It could be any targets. Jewish state in the Middle East, Greg. It could be any <laughs> democracy. I mean, theoretically, could it be us? Yeah. But with this administration, eh, not likely. Could it be an Arab ally who's, you know, frightened of Iran's rise in the region? I guess conceivable, but uh, come on. It's, yeah, it's I'm, Israelis. If it was an I'm, outside. I'm turning to that guy like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. I'm not saying it's the Israelis, but it's the Israelis. <laughs> I mean, if it's an outside job, it's, it's almost certainly the Israelis. It could just be their own incompetence in some way. I remember, you know, a lot of folks thought we were responsible for Chernobyl, but just Turns out the Russians were terrible at it. Um, so who knows? But uh, we'll take the win any way we can get it. And hopefully it's a setback for their military and any other of their uh, nefarious schemes in the region. All right. Let's talk about uh, figuring out uh, ways to save money. That's always happy news, too. We are full of good news today. Uh, and now saving money can mean never having to go to the post office again. Why would you still go there, especially when you would still have to pay full price for postage? Because thanks to Stamps.com, you don't have to anymore. You can mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from U.S. Postal Service, UPS, and more. Look, Stamps.com saves businesses thousands of hours and lots of money every year. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office that's sending out invoices, or it's a side hustle Etsy shop that's shipping out orders, or just navigating this hybrid work life, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over one million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off of post office rates and up to 66% off of UPS shipping rates. Not to mention, Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. 
It's no wonder nearly one million small businesses already use Stamps.com. It's a fantastic product. It's super convenient. And you save a lot of money. And especially if you have a small business, that can really add up in a hurry and really improve your bottom line. Don't miss that opportunity uh, since you can use it for both the Postal Service as well as UPS. Don't waste time. Don't go to the post office. Go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk at all. And with our promo code 3Martini, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. No long-term commitments or contracts and all those things come along with it. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in 3Martini, all one word. That's Stamps.com, promo code 3Martini. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. All right, Jim, the good news just keeps pouring in today. So let's talk about some of the latest statistics as it pertains to the COVID pandemic, which seems to be ebbing quite nicely here. Uh, this is also courtesy of Hot Air, but this time it's all upon it. He says a nice bit of trend spotting by David Leonhardt of the New York Times, whose pronouncements on all things COVID seem to carry unusual weight with our federal science bureaucracy. Seems like the uh, the science, quote unquote, seems to follow whatever new uh, thing he likes to suggest. But now that now that he's noticed that there's been no spike in cases since the CDC told vaccinated people to get back to normal, triggering widespread abandonment of mask mandates across the country. Uh, expect Rochelle Walensky to notice, too. He says there's nothing new about cases continuing to fall after a mask mandate has been lifted, of course. I've written multiple posts about how Greg Abbott's rescission of Texas's mask mandate on March 10th was followed by many weeks of declining case counts. And so, uh, Jim, he's looking at the CDC numbers. Uh, we've now got uh, a number of uh, days and even weeks of data here uh, since the CDC finally relented on all this. And uh, just as a lot of folks expected, there has not been this spike that uh, some of the more uh, intense people have feared. Greg, David Leonhardt is not technically the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, <laughs> but he's getting kind of close. And I exaggerate. I'm joking when I say that, but it is weird that, you know, David Leonhardt of The New York Times, who by no means is a right winger or anything like that. Um, looks at the CDC restrictions and talks to other epidemiologists and virologists and public health experts. And very often the tone of his coverage is, you know, this seems excessive based on what we know. This seems like a, a, an overly cautious uh, move that is restricting what people can do. It's not necessary. It's not supported by the latest research. The CDC should rethink this. And then usually a good two to three days later, the CDC comes out and says, hey, we rethought this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and obviously, if lots of other folks have been saying these sorts of things, too, but, you know, they weren't David Leonhardt of The New York Times. So I, I jokingly say that's Commissioner Leonhardt to you. But uh, uh, no, I'm glad he does this. And I'm glad the CDC listens to somebody. I do wish the CDC would listen to maybe more outside voices. Maybe they would just hand wave and dismiss the uh, folks, I, I, you know, um, the fourth estate obviously is a very powerful and influential institution, but uh, maybe it shouldn't necessarily be, you know, where the, where the uh, executive branch of government goes to figure out what they should be doing, uh, particularly an independent agency like the CDC. But I, the, the overall broader point also is that like, hey, you know, we've gotten rid of a, a lot of mask mandates in a lot of states, a lot of communities left and right. And for a long time now, we were kind of chuckling about how Biden had wildly overreacted to Texas announcing that it was getting rid of its statewide mask mandate. And uh, there was no surge in cases. And Beta O'Rourke said it was going to be like the Black Plague and, you know, all, all these other doomsaying. And Biden calls it Neanderthal thinking. And 
nah, not Texas. It did fine. It did. There wasn't any big surge in cases. It was considered. Now, there are a bunch of reasons for that. And as we look at the fact that there's been this delightful, you know, first very steep, and then I think a steady decline uh, in daily new cases. As I look on the chart right now, right now, as of yesterday, the seven-day moving average is 17,387. I mean, really, as recently as April, we were in the 71,000. Uh, and obviously, the worst point was early in January. Seven-day moving average was more than 236,000 people per day. Um, I think Fauci had said that his sense of when the pandemic was over was below 10,000. Well, we're not there, but we're getting pretty close to it, and we're on a nice trajectory to it. So, and obviously, I hope everyone out there had a delightful Memorial Day weekend. Um, you know, I think at least for you know my family and friends, and for a whole bunch of folks, it really felt normal again. The, the people felt comfortable taking masks off. People didn't feel the need to stay six feet apart. People were shaking hands, hugging, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was back to normal life. And it looks like we very much are back to normal life. And now look, you know, why is it not so bad? Well, vaccination is a very big part of that. Um, good weather, people are outside, more air circulation, you know, there are a bunch of factors, but all in all, the mask doomsayers um, look like they probably should be eating some crow on this, probably have some humility on this. And who knows? I mean, you know, it's kind of, I, I can't wait for David Leonhardt's next column to see what the CDC is going to do next. <laughs> Well, better them listening to him than uh, the American Federation of Teachers, which happened way too much over the past few months. Mm. Uh, just from a journalistic insider uh, perspective here, Jim, is this a matter of him actually influencing the CDC or does the CDC maybe float something to him that this could be coming? And he says, hey, this might be a good idea. And then two days later, the CDC makes it public. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was going to say, I, I sorry, it's happened a little too many times for it to be coincidence. You know, like, oh, we just happened to rethink this policy two days after David Lee Hart wrote about it. But uh. <laughs> just, just trying to decide if he's the instigator or he's the uh, facilitator here. But uh, interesting nonetheless. And as long as, uh, you know, we're getting back to normal in a, in a safe way, which we clearly are, uh, we'll take the good news as it comes. So, man. Man, it feels good to have that much good news. I'd like to say we're going to try and replicate that tomorrow, and we will, but uh, odds of that are not good, so we're going to relish this for the next 24 hours. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Thanks again for your patience with Apple Podcasts. We are making progress, and hopefully we'll have good news for you on that front very soon. Also, uh, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday, and please join us on Thursday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.